All right, New York City is out of control. I mean, you have anti-Semites, just these thugs, just beating Jews left and right. It's open season. I know they're not white supremacists, by the way, in case that surprises you. And Dove Heikind actually, and they get no consequences. They don't get put in jail. They don't get arrested. If they are arrested, they're released with no bail. Dove Heikind did a study. I mean, this is a staggering uh, statistic here, staggering numbers that Heikind came out with. And we're going to get to the details. In the last few years in New York City, uh, there, there has been exactly one man convicted and put in prison. Of all the hundreds of and thousands of anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City over the last three years, only one man has been convicted and put in jail. It's egregious. That is coming up. Plus, Joe Biden, the unifier, gave an extremely divisive speech. This was a massive production, by the way. And you know who paid for it? This was paid for by tax dollars because the White House somehow claimed that this was a primetime presidential address. It was, it was, there was nothing even remotely presidential about this. It was as political and divisive as anything you've ever seen. They had these like, Huge red lights in the background. Biden looked like a Venezuelan dictator. He looked like a communist dictator. I don't know how else to describe this. He looked like Hugo Chavez or Fidel Castro. And this was only aired. This was a primetime speech. So this is like very rare for a president to begin with. And especially for Biden, who, you know, ne- almost never makes any sort of public appearances. And it was only aired. This is a huge embarrassment for Biden, only aired by MSNBC and CNN. None of the networks covered it, none of the other cable channels. So this is a huge blow. The White House, they were desperate for this to be carried by every network. And they pretended it was a presidential address. It was the furthest thing from it. And what the media is like celebrating this speech and they're so giddy, like this is a Biden resurgence. Number one, it was just a speech, but they set the bar so low that Biden just gives a speech and not even a very good speech at that. And they act like he's the next Winston Churchill. And it was an ang- it was an angry speech. There was nothing inspiring. There was nothing brown- groundbreaking. He he blasted MAGA. He blasted Trump. And th- that's all he did was like ma- make MAGA followers and Trump followers out to be a bunch of violent fanatics. That was like the big bombshell in the speech. By the way, we're going to get to all the latest on Mar-a-Lago Gate. Jared Kushner says it was all a record-keeping glitch and no crimes were committed. And by the way, I still say that Trump is not going to jail. And most importantly, you know what's really clear about all this Mar-a-Lago nonsense and the FBI raid and the documents, the classified documents, mishandling, etc. It's so clear right now. The Democrats are so threatened by Trump. I mean, Republicans keep acting like Trump is a liability, like Trump is hurting the Republicans. Why are the Democrats so terrified of Trump? Why are the Democrats, they're, they're trying so hard to render Trump irrelevant and to hurt Trump and to tarnish Trump? Why on earth would they be doing that? Because they're terrified of Trump, because they know the truth. They know that Trump is still by far the leader of the party, by far the most influential man in the Republican Party. Look, look, look at his look at his endorsements, his primary endorsements, his, his, his track record is, is, is through the roof. And the Democrats are doing everything they can to try to sideline Trump, and they keep failing. And and by the way, the Republicans also know the truth. The Republicans who keep saying, well, Trump is a liability. Even Ben Shapiro said Trump is a liability. We're going to get to all of that. I disagree. I respectfully disagree. Ben Shapiro is obviously brilliant, but I, I just don't agree with him here. I, I don't know how a, a, any any objective person can look at Trump over the last few years. He's the best asset, and the Republicans know it. So it, why are the Republicans? Because the Republicans are turning on Trump. I don't mean all the Republicans. 
But there are many Republican politicians who are taking the opportunity to distance themselves and say, ah, you know what, mishandling of classified information, maybe he's going to be indicted. This this is pretty ugly. They've done it again and again. Remember how often they turned on Trump every time the Democrats invented a scandal. It's not just Liz Cheney. And the reason is, prepare to be shocked. And not when he was president. When he was president, somehow they became his best friend because they needed him. He was the president. But when he's not in power, they actually prefer, even though, even though Trump, he gets these victories for conservatives. He was so, so good for the country, for the Republican Party. But they actually prefer the establishment. They even prefer Democrats in power. Yes, tell you a little secret, folks. A lot of Republicans, people like Lindsey Graham and many others, Marco Rubio, they rather have a Democrat in charge than have Trump in charge because they view Trump as such an, as such an existential threat to the establishment. All right, so we're going to get to all the Trump stuff, but first let's get to the other news of the day. Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul are neck and neck. Lee Zeldin, there's a new poll that came out. I'm not surprised by this at all. I've been saying this for months. I believe Zeldin has a serious shot in New York. And in the New York governor's race, according to this new poll, uh, Zeldin and Hochul, Zeldin trails Hochul by less than five percentage points. And remember, these polls are always biased to the left. But Hochul is extremely unpopular. Remember, she was not elected governor, and she inherited it after the Cuomo disgrace. Nobody had ever heard of Kathy Hochul until Cuomo resigned. And she's been a disaster. Hochul has been a total disaster. So according to this new poll, this is from the Trafalgar Group. Zeldin is within five points. And remember this, Democrat voters are not motivated. Now, look, is there going to be cheating? Is there going to be mail-in stuff? We'll have to wait and see. But Democrats are not motivated to go out and vote. Republican voters are going to come out in droves. And uh, according to this new poll from the Trafalgar Group, uh, Zeldin won 43.4 percent of the, the 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 results. Hochul was supported by 47.8. So we're talking about less than five. It's like four and a half points here separating Hochul 47.8 percent. Zeldin 43.4. Margin of error 2.9 percent. So you've got Zeldin and Hochul neck and neck, and everybody's got to go out and vote for Zeldin here because every vote is going to matter. I really believe. That Zeldin has a serious shot here. And, and, and imagine that would just be such a massive blow to the Democrats, not just in New York, but also around the country. And remember New Jersey. Remember, Phil Murphy was a shoe in. They told us that uh, Jack Chitterelli didn't have a chance. This was going to be a cakewalk. Phil Murphy barely held on for his dear life. Uh, he hanging by a thread. He won by less than 100,000 votes in New Jersey out of 2.4 million voters. Less than 3%. And in New Jersey, you'll say, well, that's still, you know, a significant margin. No, it's not. In New Jersey, they were telling, and New, Jer- New Jersey has 1 million more Republican voters than Democrats. Murphy was supposed to win by 15, 20 points. Murphy was supposed to win in a landslide. So I believe that Zeldin has a real shot. We're going to keep an eye. And I think that Zeldin is going to close in and eventually take the lead in these polls. All right. So there's been a surge in, han- in anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City, as we know. Hate crimes have tripled. In New York City, in 2022, hate crimes have tripled. And mostly, those are mostly anti-Semitic hate crimes. There are other hate crimes, but um, those the, those staggering numbers of uh, the, 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 the surge in hate crimes in New York, the majority of those are due to 
anti-Semitism. And, and it's not white supremacists. Don't let the media tell you none of these attacks are white supremacists. They're all minorities. They're African-Americans, some Hispanics probably, and and Muslims. And uh, the study has been released, as I said, uh, Dove Hikens Group is Americans Against Anti-Semitism. So of the 118 arrests, of the 118, this is a study since 2018. And this is mind-blowing. I mean, this this almost, it cannot be, but it shows you how the criminal justice system in New York City is is such a joke and such a circus, and and it's hurting people. And and eventually, you know, I'm worried that the unthinkable could happen. I mean, we know we keep talking about it. By the way, somebody just getting getting beaten up in the middle of the street, and it happens frequently, uh, that, that itself is the unthinkable. That itself is something that should never, ever happen. And, um, of course, the, the, the story about Yossi Hershkov, which we're going to get to in a moment, but of the 118 adults arrested since 2018 in New York City for anti-Semitic hate crimes, only one has been convicted and sent to prison. I don't even know how that, I'm saying the words and they did a study. Nobody's disputing the study. Heiken released the study. Uh, but of the 118, and by the way, we may be inter- interviewing Dove Heiken actually to discuss this in the next few days. I've been in contact with him, but of the 118 adults arrested for anti-Jewish hate crimes in New York City since 2018, only one has been convicted and sent to prison. It's the Wild West. So Yossi, Her- Yossi Hershkoff, you've heard, you, Hershkoff, who's a big community leader in Crown Heights, and you've heard the story and we've told you, but we're going to repeat it briefly, briefly, don't worry, briefly. He was beaten in Crown Heights, in broad daylight, by four African Americans, it was it was caught on camera. On there's surveillance footage of this, and it, it was over some kind of parking issue. Either he like brushed against a car by mistake, or he uh, there was some kind of dispute over a parking spot. E- e- either way, it, it wasn't something that uh, he deserved. Well, any kind, they shouldn't even be arguing with him over it. I mean, it was it was, it was nothing. It was totally nothing. And they just decided, but but they beat him. They beat him badly, and he went to the hospital. And they did it in front of his five year old child. But like, I, you know, and and that obviously makes it the story all more traumatic and more devastating. But even without that, I mean, they beat an innocent man because he was Jewish, and they know what these thugs, what these monsters look like. Well, the police have done virtually nothing. It's been weeks since that attack. That happened in July, and the, 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 they're all walking free. I'll put it very simply. They're all walking free, and some of them have not even been arrested once. But even the one who was arrested is, is is roaming the streets free. So let me read you a quote here. And that's how it works. It's the Wild West. It is open season. Beat up Jews. You will get zero consequences. Thank you to the New York City criminal justice system. So no arrests were made during the first two weeks after this attack. Not one arrest. They have them on camera. They identified them. They know who they are. No arrests were made during the first two weeks. And during those first two weeks, the getaway car was actually ticketed. There was ticketed. Was there was an unrelated incident when they got a ticket? So the cops actually interacted with the car with the, with, with somebody who was in that car. Now, then, uh, about two weeks later, Yossi Hershkop tweeted, "Quote: No arrests have been made despite the assailant's vehicle having been seen all over the neighborhood. My son still has a lot of trauma from the incident, and now we Uber instead of walk whenever we need to go out. So now." The day after that tweet, there was finally an arrest made, probably no coincidence, right? The day after that tweet, which was two weeks after the attack, there was an arrest made. Congratulations. And then the first suspect was released. That man was arrested. Suspect. I love the word. We use the word suspect. I mean, the thug, the monster, the anti-Semite, he was released on bail. 
$10,000 bail, which is significantly less than even what the DA, and we know we have these woke DAs in, 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 in this is Brooklyn, not New York City, so we're not talking about Alvin Bragg, but I don't care. Anyway, the, the, the DA requested higher bail. He was released on $10,000 bail. And, um, now, and, and that's it. They have not arrested anybody else. They have not arrested a- any of the other three thugs. And the first thug, what difference does it make if they arrest him? Cause they're going to just be released on bail. And it's almost like you say, and look, I'm not going to excuse the cops here, but I almost am because the cops are like, well, you want us, you're blaming us because we haven't made any arrests. Well, what does it help? We're going to, we're going to go on arrest. And then what's going to happen? The DA is going to request $50,000, $100,000 bail. Some woke judge is going to release the thug on $10,000 bail. And then they're walking the street and they're going to go beat more Jews. And you're almost, in, you're almost like encouraging it. Like you're almost encouraging them to do it again because they know that there are not going to be any consequences. And do you know that New York City, um, the rules in New York City are so messed up that, you know, Mayor Eric Adams is legally required to house anybody who requests housing. Anybody comes to New York City, says, listen, I'm homeless. And this is including illegals which is why now the, the the city is being totally overloaded, overwhelmed with, with with illegals, with hundreds of thousands of illegals just completely overwhelming the system. And that is why New York City is now renting out hotel rooms. You can't make it up. They're, they're renting out like dozens of hotel rooms between the, the regular homeless uh, population in New York City, which is already large. And now you have um, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegals. And they're not there because of Texas Governor Abbott. They're there because Adams welcomed them there, invited them to come, okay? There are many, many hundreds of thousands, and because Joe Biden chartered a plane there. But there are hundreds of thousands. Yeah, just, yes, Joe Biden, it is known. This has been reported on Fox News and other places. Uh, Joe Biden, he will put uh, illegals on a chartered flight, and at 2 in the morning they will land uh, in a New York City suburb and then make their way, of course, to New York City. So they're being delivered there by the federal government. But that's not the point. Uh, well, that's sort of the point. But, the, but, but, but what I was trying to get at is that illegals come to New York City and it is New York City law. The law on the books. It's insane. Is that if you come, we don't care what your citizenship is. We don't need documents. You come to the city, you say, I need somewhere to live. They, they are legally obligated to give you somewhere to live at taxpayer expense. And, and it's costing hundreds of millions of dollars. And then they wonder why Regular hardworking people, middle class people are, are, are flocking away from the city in droves. Okay. So that's the, the law in New York City. So they're renting out now. I mean, literally fancy hotels. I mean, I, I, I saw a holiday in recently in, uh, somewhere in New York City, not, not the best neighborhood. And it was very clear that it was, it had been rented out as a homeless shelter. And that's happening like all over the city. They're spending three to four hundred million dollars a year on homeless and illegal and and who's paying for that middle class taxpayers who say you know what i'm going to florida i'm going to texas why on earth would i stay here and here's the question why are they flocking to new york city these illegals and then draining the system it's laughable to blame texas and and, and governor abbott yes governor abbott to prove a point and he's right and good for him and he and he's proved his point um and and, and will, is it going to make any change who knows hopefully yes hopefully in november uh, people are going to vote Republican because they're going to realize how absurd these open borders policies are. But, but Adams blaming Texas is just laughable because there are literally hundreds of thousands of illegals, if not millions, in New York City. And Texas sent a few buses, and and, and Biden sent them on, on charter flights. I'm sure he sent a lot more. I'm sure Biden sent a lot more than Governor Abbott. But of course, Adams is never going to blame Biden. 
but uh, but he's gonna you know have, pick, pick pick this fight and wage this war on Governor Abbott as though and 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 Governor Abbott, think about it. He's doing the illegals a favor because Eric Adams is saying we're a sanctuary city. Abbott is saying, well, well, Texas is not sanctuary. New York City sanctuary. Where are they going to be better off? And he's saying to Eric Adams, you invited them. You, you turn around and you blame me and like I'm doing something bad. And Adams says, well, yeah, but they don't really want to come and you're tricking them and this and that, which is not true. Which is not true, but that's not even the issue because like they're welcome in New York. They're not welcome in Texas. And Abbott is saying, why on earth? I mean, it'd be like, like, like if there were like kids, orphans or, you know, kids who didn't have anywhere to go. And there's one family saying, oh, we'll take them. We'll take good care of them. And another family saying, listen, I'm not able to, I would love to. I feel bad for these kids. You know, and I know the illegals came to the country illegally. So it's not a perfect analogy, but I'm just trying to make the point is where do you send them? You send them to the house where they're welcome. Not to the place where somebody's saying, listen, I simply don't have the resources to handle all of this. By the way, uh, you know, Mayor Eric Adams, th- this is just a shocking uh, piece of data. Do you know that 10 criminals make up nearly 500 arrests since bail reform and six of them are still roaming the streets? But Eric Adams refuses to tell you. Uh, think about this. Th- this makes your hair stand on end. Uh, this This is chilling. Mayor Eric Adams revealed the other day that there were 500 arrests that were made on 10 criminals. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? 10 criminals made up nearly 500 arrests since bail reform and because they just keep getting let out. So they're literally arrested hundreds of these 10 criminals were literally arrested hundreds of times and six of them are walking free right now and they're going to commit more crimes and get arrested again. It, 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 it's insanity. It is, it is lunacy. And um, New York City, by the way, I read this somewhere else and now I can't find it. But uh, but 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 New York City, essentially 1000 people, 1000 criminals are responsible for the majority of crime in New York City. And that's also staggering because if you could basically get 1000 and, and this is all Governor Hochul and it brings us back to Zeldin and Hochul. But if you could get that 1000 that group of 1,000 criminals, and you got them off the street and locked them up as they belong, as they deserve to be, then that would actually end most of the crime in New York City. People think, well, there's millions of people in New York City, so you have all this crime, you'd have to lock up 10, 20, 30, 40,000 criminals in order to reduce crime. Actually, if if you lock up just 1,000 criminals in New York City, that would heavily reduce crime. That would reduce the majority of crime. So it's a, it's actually a small group committing most of the crime. All right. Elon Musk says that fossil fuels are critical to our survival. Elon Musk. This is significant because Elon Musk is the king of electric vehicles. Nobody benefits more than Elon Musk. If they would eradicate fossil fuels, if they would start banning fossil fuels, as AOC, as Ocasio wants to do, and Biden and, and Bernie Sanders, um, Nobody would benefit more than Elon Musk if they would get rid of carbon emissions and turn, and, you know, for example, it would turn everything to electric vehicles. Elon Musk, the head of Tesla, he stands to gain more than anybody if they abolish carbon emissions. So Elon Musk has no agenda here other than just telling the truth. And he says that the world would basically collapse if we abolished fossil fuels today. And uh, Musk, he's more green when you think about it than Jeff Bezos than Warren Buffett. Then Bill Gates, and yet the media cannot stand Elon Musk because he tells the truth, and they don't like anybody who tells the truth. He actually doesn't go with their radical leftist climate agenda. He was speaking at a conference in Norway, and Musk said, and here's a quote, Musk said that civilization will crumble 
if the world halts the use of oil and natural gases. Elon Musk called for continued drilling and exploration of fossil fuel sources, and the billionaire suggested that the transition to green energy sources will take decades, and that in the meantime, fossil fuels are necessary. Uh, last week, Musk called for increased nuclear power generation, and he attacked environmentalists who oppose nuclear plants as anti-human, because that, that's what is nuclear energy is actually much cleaner. It does not involve carbon emissions, or at least much fewer, as far as I understand. So nuclear energy is much cleaner than oil and natural gas. It used to be that environmentalists actually supported nuclear plants, but now, of course, it's just all about wind and solar, or whatever they have in mind, and I guess electric, but uh, the problem with electric is electric also burns tons of fossil fuels. But either way, um, th- this is what Musk said. He said that uh, people who, who who are against nuclear power are anti-human. And he said civilization will crumble if we abolish fossil fuels. All right. The EU is struggling big time. Speaking of oil and gas, uh, there's a major energy crisis in the EU. And what's happening is it's unbelievable how Putin attacks uh, Ukraine and as a result, you know, we, we put all these sanctions on Putin, except, by the way, there's all sorts of exceptions because, oh, one second, the EU, Germany, France, England, like basically the entire Europe is reliant on Putin for their oil and gas. And and, and, and where Biden, how does Biden not get blamed for the Nord Stream pipeline? Trump, literally, he stopped the Nord Stream pipeline. Stop, Trump put a stop to it. He said, we are not funding the Nord Stream pipeline is a natural gas pipeline that 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 Russia uses in order to supply natural gas to Germany and a bunch of other European countries. So the EU is dependent on why why they set it up this way because they're because they're crazy. I mean, it makes it makes no sense that you'd make this evil dictator be the the main source of energy for the entire EU. It, it, it's 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 irrational. But that, but that's what these people set up. So Trump said, "This is terrible." You know, Trump, the the person who supposedly colluded with Russia, said. We cannot do this. This is going to empower Russia big time. So Trump put a halt on Nord Stream and, and, and a lot of liberals were upset about that. And then Biden comes in and Biden says, no, we have to, you know, we, we, we have to restore Nord Stream. We, we have to build, build the Nord Stream pipeline and finish it. Why would Biden do that? How, and how does he not get hammered for this? I mean, how, how does, how do they not ask Biden about this? Like, it's, it, it's beyond irrational. It is, it is, it's lunacy. It's ludicrous. Anyway, so Putin now is just getting richer and richer because the sanctions, all the sanctions have done, they made so many exceptions to the rules. Putin can still sell oil and sell natural gas and it is in fact selling it. I mean, it's just, think of, it's all backward. Like, like, like uh, the EU is struggling big time economically because of the war in Ukraine. Uh, the US is struggling big time financially because of the war in Ukraine and Putin is getting rich and, and it's all because of the Biden sanctions. And then people say to me, but you were in favor of the Biden sanctions, the sanctions against Putin. Correct. I was in favor of the sanctions against Putin. Uh, even though they gotta end this war already. This war can't just go on forever. It's not, it's not a good war. It's a bad war. It's hurting us, not hurting Putin. It's hurting us. But, um, but yeah, I, I was, I was in favor, but you've gotta sanction Putin completely. You, you can't make all these, they made all these exceptions to the rule. No exceptions to the rule. And, but where, but where, but where's Germany gonna get its oil and natural gas? Where are the, well, you'll find other sources. The, the United States, for example, we could be drilling a lot for a lot more oil. Biden refuses to do so. We could be producing a lot more natural gas and selling it on to the Europeans. So they, so they, they want to sanction and hurt Putin, but they don't want the U.S. to possibly, you know, take over the supplying of of oil and natural gas because that would be bad for the environment. You know, yeah, you can't have it both ways. All right, so let's get to the Trump stuff and Mar-a-Lago Gate. 
All this stuff shows is how terrified they are of Trump. They, the left is doing everything possible to bring down Trump. And very simple question. If Trump is such a liability, as the Republicans keep saying, then the Democrats, the last thing they should be doing is is raiding Mar-a-Lago and uh, making a whole big issue out of all these documents, which I don't really see any crime here that was committed. But we'll get to that in a moment. We have A.G. Barr uh, bashing Trump. And then, of course, Trump responded and bashed A.G. Barr, something we're used to. Right. But um, the Democrats, why did they wait until now? Why did they wait? They, they knew about whatever this archive issue is, whatever the issue is with these documents. This is not something that was newly discovered. The Democrats have known about this since Biden took office. They've known about this for a year and a half. So ask yourself this. Why would they wait until August to raid Mar-a-Lago and turn this into such a big issue? Clearly, it was designed for political reasons. This was not done, you know, because of justice. They would have done this a year and a half ago. This was not done because of enforcing the law. This was done because they're trying to hurt Trump politically and hurt the Republicans heading into to November, to the to the to the midterm elections. Very simple. And by the way, they're not announcing. Now they said they're not going to announce whether they're going to indict Trump, bring charges against Trump. They're not in they're not announcing that until after the election. Well, why not? I keep saying Trump is not going to jail. If Trump was going to jail, believe me, they would announce it before November. They would announce it election day is November 8th. On November 5th or November 6th, there'd be this huge press conference. They would announce that they are bringing charges and indicting Trump. Why are they not announcing it? It's very simple because they're not planning to to, to indict him. So they're worried. See, if if they do indict him. They know that millions and millions of Republicans, they're just going to galvanize the Republicans. If they indict Trump and turn Trump into the martyr, I mean, that would be the worst thing that ever happened to the Democrats. So they're going to exonerate him. But if they exonerate him before November, it's going to hurt the Democrats. But if they were putting Trump in jail, believe me, there would be an announcement. So what they want, the the only option here is if they exonerate Trump, they lose. If they uh, indict Trump, they lose. So they need the country. This mark my words. You know, we'll see if I turn out right. But, you know, I, I, in these situations, I think I've been right before. They want the country to believe that Trump is being indicted for as long as possible. So they're going to il- extend this as long as they possibly can, milk it for all it's worth, and eventually hope that it kind of just goes away. I don't even think he ever will be exonerated, like, officially, like where they, like where Merrick Garland gets up and exonerates him. They're just kind of going to stall it and, and slow walk in and just hope it fizzles and move on to the next controversy. Meanwhile, Attorney General William Barr blasted Trump. Uh, Trump is asking for a special master. Trump is saying that they took documents that they had no right to take. They took documents that's a, that's a breach of, uh, that are a breach of Trump's uh, confidentiality with his, with his attorney, attorney-client privilege. And uh, he wants a special master, and it sounds like that may happen. And that could be very disastrous um, for the FBI, for the DOJ. But um, here's what's happening. So Barr is now trying to pander to the left and be accepted back by the establishment. A.G. Barr did good things, especially when it came to, you know, to Russia collusion. And and, and the look, the Durham investigation is a joke. They're never going to indict anybody real. They're never going to indict Peter Strzok or Lisa Page or Andrew McCabe or James Comey. You know, Spygate. I mean, I I mean, you you could indict Obama over Spygate. You could indict Susan Rice, who's basically running the White House right now. All these people had a hand in Spygate in, in 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 spying on the opposition candidate and then eventually spying on the president. 
uh, you know, they can indict, uh, I don't know, Rod Rosenstein, right? But anyway, they're not going, they're not going to do that. So the Durham thing is a joke in my opinion. But Barr did do a lot of good things in terms of exonerating Trump and, and, and he defended Trump and, and, and he, and he actually said under oath at a Senate hearing, right? Remember Barr said that, that, that Trump was spied on. Everybody was all shocked and like the media, they were just like all livid. Like they, they, they how could it be? How, how, how could Barr say that Trump was spied on? And it was like, well, they wiretapped him and you all made fun of Trump when he claimed he was wiretapped. And it turns out that they spied on Trump and, 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 and anyone who follows like Fox News, anybody who just like reads the regular newspapers every day knows that Trump was spied on, but somehow like none of the Democrats like knew this. This was like a shock to them. But now A.G. Barr, he's trying to get back in because he was associated with Trump. So he was like shoved out. Barr was an establishment figure. So even though he was Republican, he was A.G. under the the, the first George, you know, first President Bush. So George Bush Sr. So he was somebody who like the establishment kind of respected. And then Barr became Trump's AG. And then suddenly, you know, his um, his whole reputation was tarnished, if if not like obliterated. So now he's trying to get back. That's how I look at it, back accepted by the establishment. Um, and, and what Barr forgets is like he's sitting here bashing Trump and he got that same treatment. And he, it's like Dick Cheney where like they forget like that they were treated the same exact way. And suddenly they make Trump the enemy. So Barr says that Trump did not declassify all the – because Trump is basically saying, listen, I can declassify anything I want, any classified documents. And, 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 and everyone keeps talking about mishandling of classified information. It's, there's nothing in the warrant. They did, they, the, the, the search warrant is released. There were three crimes. One of them was obstruction of justice. One of them was the Espionage Act. And one of them was the National Archives. Why not mention anything about classified documents? Because they know they have no case because they know the president can declassify anything he wants. So Barr says he finds it hard to believe that Trump declassified the documents. And he says, and if Trump did declassify the documents, because they found a bunch of boxes marked classified. By the way, there are a bunch of empty boxes, boxes that were marked classified that are empty. And now somehow the Democrats are saying, well, that's a crime because look, look at all those empty boxes. And it's like, what are you talking about? Now it's a crime to have empty boxes that are labeled classified information. It just what they're saying, it makes just absolutely no sense. But 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 Barr is saying that's even worse. He's saying, why would a president take thousands of declassified documents to his resort? You know, he, he, he like somehow like it's worse if Trump did declassify these documents. I, I just don't get it. I mean, there's no crime. There is no crime. If 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 the president has the legal authority to declassify anything, the president can, by the way, legally declassify nuclear secrets. That's not the conversation here. So I don't even want to go there. And I'm sure Trump did not declassify nuclear secrets. And even if he did, they could just change all those things around. Usually, well, there's certain things they cannot. I mean, obviously, if he declassified like, you know, the engineering behind nuclear weapons, that could be an issue. But he didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that. But they're inventing a crime. They are inventing a crime. And that's what they always do with Trump is manufacture crimes. So Trump, in response, called Barr a rhino. I'll just read you here. Um, Trump on Truth Social on so- social media decided to respond to A.G. Barr. Bill and Barr appeared on Fox News and he bashed Trump. So Trump said back, quote, Bill Barr had no guts and no glory. He was a weak and pathetic rhino who was so afraid of being impeached that he became a captive to the radical left Democrats. Barr never fought the way he should have for election integrity and so much else. He started off okay as AG, but faded fast, did not have courage or stamina. AG Barr was fired long before I left the White House on January 20th. He acted very slowly on the no collusion Mueller report. 
uh, in that the FBI and Justice had the laptop in their possession, which totally exonerated me long before Mueller's decision came out years later, a waste of time and money. The laptop information should have been released before the rigged election, not after it, for the voters to see. He was petrified of the lunatic Dems and of being impeached. And quote, and you know what? Trump is exactly right. He's spot on with the laptop because A.G. Barr had the laptop. The FBI had the laptop. It, they, they, they let the Democrats claim it was Russian disinformation. They let the media totally censor it. Now suddenly, two years later, CNN, the New York Times, the media wakes up, Washington Post, and says, oh, by the way, the Hunter laptop was real. We thought it was Russian disinformation. Oh, well. And uh, the FBI literally told Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and Twitter to censor the Hunter laptop. I mean, this is – it is – communist russia it is soviet russia it is kgb tactics when you have the fbi colluding with facebook and with social media and with the mainstream media and saying this is russian disinformation ignore the hunter laptop because we need to push trump out of office and they know that it was legit they know that it was genuine it it, it is as disgraceful conduct like like if putin did it i'd be disappointed if kim jong-un did this stuff like i'd be surprised um and by the way, a Trump-appointed judge may appoint a special master to look through all these documents. So that could be huge. That could take a long time and, and, and stall this whole process. And that's what has to happen here is that Trump just kind of needs to just fight to use every legal tactic he can. This whole thing is so bogus. And, and, and what makes me nuts is, you know, now suddenly there's people turning on Trump and saying, well, this is bad. You know, look, he, he declassified documents or he brought – why did he bring all these tens of thousands of documents to Mar-a-Lago? I mean, look, we can debate it all, but here's what bothers me is is they've been accusing Trump for six years of colluding with Russia worse than Watergate, worse than Nixon. So anything Trump does, he's going to be accused. I love this one like he does something that is totally legal. And it's like, but he used poor judgment. Don't you see what he goes through? They persecute him. And do you blame Trump when he left the White House? When he was president, he was in charge. When he left the White House, he needs to bring every possible document that he can for his own protection. Think about this. He's worried that the FBI, they could just fabricate whatever they want, like they did under Obama. He wants an insurance policy. So can you blame Trump for, for protecting himself? Like they always turn on Trump. And so he's figuring out a way to legally bring all these documents because it's totally legal. So, I mean, it, 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 it's just like communist Russia, communist China here, where the corrupt government uses every dirty trick they can find and Trump is worried he's trying to protect his family. All right, so Biden gave this angry, divisive speech, basically claiming that MAGA Republicans are a bunch of violent extremist fascists. And, uh, you know, here's what happened is a few hundred people stormed the, stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And Biden and the Democrats, like, they want you to believe, they want the country to believe that, like, Trump's 74 million supporters are just a bunch of, like, violent extremist Wag jobs. And by the way, Biden, I think, wants to incite violence. Biden, as long as he wins, he doesn't mind. I think he wants to rile up Trump supporters. He wants there to be violent riots all over the place as long as he wins. So Biden is the one that has no problem hurting the country. He's evil and corrupt. He claims to be a, a uniter, but he's actually a divider. I mean, I've never seen anybody as divisive as Biden. I honestly think he, you know, he makes Trump look like Mahatma Gandhi. And uh, it, remember, you know, Biden sitting there talking about MAGA extremists and, and how violent Trump followers are. Remember BLM? I mean, how about Antifa? I mean, violent riots, may, way, way, way many more people than than the people who stormed the Capitol. They're as violent, as dangerous as anybody. And not to mention 
uh, you know, Biden has open borders with illegals coming across, drug cartels, gang members, and they encourage it. The Democrats encourage people to be violent criminals. And then they gaslight us about it and make it and twist everything around and make it as though somehow the Trump supporters, because there's a few who are a little bit uh, wacky, that somehow, like Trump supporters are the ones who are violent. So Ben Shapiro, he says that the Republicans are now losing momentum because they're too focused on Trump. He says the Republicans have got to take the focus away from Trump and Trump is somehow going to hurt the Republicans. He And Shapiro essentially said, and I like and respect Ben Shapiro a lot, but I don't agree with him here. And he says that you know, people vote against things. They don't vote for things. So you need to focus on Biden so that people vote against Biden. And he's right about that, that people vote against things. But what, what he's wrong about is people definitely view Trump as being the leader of the Republican Party and as a major asset to, 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 to the right, to conservatives. So you can, yeah, you can, of course you have to focus on Biden. Of course the focus should be Biden. Biden's a disaster. But people can focus on Biden and focus on Trump at the same time. They can focus on the negatives of Biden and the fact that Trump is being victimized and that Trump is a leader and the positives of Trump. They can focus on both of those things. So here's a quote from, from Shapiro. Quote, there's a reason Democrats are eager to keep Trump at the center of the conversation. Half of independents say that Trump is a major factor in their vote and they're breaking four to one for the Democrats. Republicans should not play that game if they do their cruising for a bruising. Uh, and, and then Ben Shapiro said that the Democrats say, we don't want to talk about Biden, the economy, a perversion of the education system or Afghanistan. Let's talk about Trump. And Republicans say, great idea. Let's talk about Trump. No, he's wrong. Because trust me, Republicans are talking about Biden, the economy, the education system and Afghanistan. I'll, I'll add the border. And uh, and they're also talking about Trump because you could talk about both things. You could you can walk in true gum. At the same time, focusing on Trump is basically the equivalent of bashing Biden and Trump never polls well. So all this stuff about how independents say they don't like Trump, independents are always going to say they don't like Trump. Some of them don't like Trump. Many of them love Trump. I mean, explain to me, explain to me, you know, how Trump has such a good track record in these primaries. They've got to have had some independent voters. It wasn't all Republican voters. You're talking about like out of over 200 primary endorsements, Trump Trump, Trump, like he's like 192 and like 12 or something like that. And and Georgia, you know, was a whole separate conversation. I don't even count Georgia. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. Trump, uh, uh, if you start focusing on things other than Trump and you do not focus on Trump, then, I mean, you're, you're going to be in big trouble because uh, you're going to turn off millions of Republicans. Nice for Ben Shapiro to say, well, what about the independents? OK, fine. There are a few independents. Got to worry about the independents. But you're going to do that at the expense of millions of Trump supporters? All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.